This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Dave and I fly fish together about four or five times a year. We take a couple small trips to Wisconsin and a bigger trip to the Minnesota Driftless, but we always take a four or five day trip to Montana or Wyoming, and we're getting ready to do that in a couple weeks. In fact, by the time this podcast is released, we will be on that trip or maybe on our return. As we've shared before, both Dave and I live in the suburbs of Chicago after we both moved here from Colorado, Dave, and from Montana, that would be me. So fly fishing the West involves a big trip these days. We thought we'd talk today about how we go about preparing for such a trip. Maybe that'll inspire you to plan a trip of your own and even help you know how to think about it and how to prepare for it. We're not saying that our way is the only way to do it. I'm sure it's not. But maybe there's an idea here that you haven't thought of or that you've thought about trying, and maybe this will uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, So, Dave, for starters, how do we think about a four- or five-day trip? Before we begin, I just need to say that Steve is the master planner. And I, I, there's definitely, I plan. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm the starter. um, And I also can run operations. But... So I have to plan. But Steve is on another level. Yeah, you get things done. I My wife always jokes with me about, well, not just jokes about about this. May so, or may not yeah. be joking. Yeah, yeah. No, she reminds <laughs> me. She reminds me that uh, she's the one who gets things done while I'm still formulating my plan. So there, there's a downside to, to this anyway. <laughs> well, I will say this, that it, it, I am very, very grateful for uh, for Steve, and and he makes you know our trips are really productive because of his of his thinking and how he approaches. So all these ideas today, really, now there are things that we've learned together, but really they come because of Steve's great planning to help us get us down the road. I thought you were going to talk about my great fly fishing ability. That somehow it's somehow my, that didn't cross no, my mind. No, it didn't come up. Huh? <laughs> I, I should be grateful you've complimented my planning, but uh, I was really hoping for. You know, some love on my fly fishing prowess, but maybe another day. <laughs> so the first thing is is that when we go on a trip like this, you have we want to fish every day, of course. You want to maximize the trip. Right. But we have learned through the years to pace ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose some of it is age, but frankly, I think I'm as in as good a shape as I was almost ten years ago. In fact, maybe better you shape. You are, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so pacing really is a different understanding of how to really enjoy the trip. It means understanding the rhythm of a trip. And I don't want to get to the end of a trip and be so exhausted that I can't wait for it to end. So what do you mean by the rhythm of a trip? Well, let me just say, I've taken friends hunting in North Dakota, and they've made the trip miserable by going hard for four days. Or I've done that, you know, I've gone back for probably 30, 35 years. And early on, you just, you've you've got to maximize the time. And it reminds me of skiing. When you go out skiing, and even if you're in a modicum of shape, you ski three hard days. And by the end of the second day, you're in the the the, uh, the hot tub, and, and, and you're almost dreading that third day because you can hardly get out of bed. And it doesn't matter what age you are. So yeah. there is a rhythm, like understanding how tired you are if you do things one day to do things 
differently the next day. So for example, if we hike into the backcountry, which we do to fish a remote stretch of the Yellowstone, and we go, you know, six to eight miles that day, that's the total walk, you know, in addition to fishing, the next day we might plan a float trip. And so that next day we might sleep in or we might grab an early breakfast and then we might go hard from, let's say, 10 o'clock to dusk. Right. It just, mm-hmm. you know, so what we're trying to do is give our bodies a chance to catch up. So that's yeah, what I mean by the Yeah, a little bit rhythm. of recovery Does time. that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, Anything it's so you want to add to that? No, I don't think so other than you're right. You have to build in a little bit of downtime or I, I think we've had those days, even when the fishing has been great, where I feel like, oh, man. You know, we got to get up in a few hours to do this all over again. And that, that's when, like you say, you kind of catch yourself and say, wait a minute, that, that's not what this is about. Um, yeah, this is our big window, but let's not kill ourselves to do it. So that's a great I, point. I think there's an assumption here that this that we, we have challenged, which is if we're going to go out and spend the money to do that, that we have to go until we're exhausted. Right. And for me, it's about catching fish. It's about enjoying the trip. It's yeah. about being with you, you know, without family. It's about eating. And obviously it's about fishing. Yeah. It's patently obvious. And we do a ton of fishing. but We just do a ton of fishing. But you're right. Rather than trying to pack it in, say, from, you know, sun up to sun down, uh, that just doesn't work as well. No, and I I think when you're with a group of guys and you're doing a trip, it's sometimes hard to find a good rhythm. And Yeah. But I think you and I have figured it out through the years. Yeah, we have. And it's really a, a gift because you yep. really, one, we catch up. We always catch a ton of fish. Yeah, we do. And I'm trying to think of a trip in which we've paced ourselves that I thought, you know, we could have gone harder. I'm not sure. We still go hard. Yeah. It's just that we don't kill ourselves. Right. Yep. And, and the pacing enables us to, boy, when we're when we're fishing, we're, we're going hard. That's very true. So, yeah, pacing is an important one. I, I'd say something else that we have to keep in mind is uh, learning to be flexible. You know, you're planning a trip, uh, got to be flexible. Uh, for us, I think in recent years, it's meant keeping an open day at the end of the trip so we can return to a hot spot. I remember we used to say, oh man, I wish we, I wish we could go back and fish, you know, the gardener. I wish we could go back and fish the Yellowstone. And uh, well, now we can because we always have that open day at the end of the trip or or maybe the day before just kind of depends how things fall together i think it also means uh, adapting to changing weather i mean <laughs> i remember a few years ago in the spring we had like a foot of snow in oh, bozeman I and mean, it just got dumped on and then it warmed up and, and it was gone but was that uh, the time we said hey let's just go up to lewistown montana and through, was that right why we went up there you know i i think it was uh we were yeah, we were gonna go up there anyway, and maybe meet I don't a know. guy to fish. And I don't it remember. Didn't work out, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was. And you know, we realized that morning, man, you know, the places that we were gonna fish around Bozeman uh, were gonna be uh, the access was gonna be tough. The main roads were clear; they had plowed and had melted. But so yeah, we we had to make an adjustment that day, and and I guess that's uh, that means too you have to have a plan B. Uh, whether it's because of the weather or sometimes last year's hot spot is this year's dud. We had that happen with the Gardner River uh, last fall, uh, two falls ago. We, we had superb days on the Gardner, and we were all pumped to fish that again. We get there and went into Parks Fly Shop in, in Gardner, Montana, and Richard Parks said, well, we asked him, so how's the fishing? Well, it's the worst 
just what you don't want to hear. It's it's the worst uh, fishing for runners on the Gardner than we've had since like 1992. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> fantastic. We're like, no. But you know what? We had some great couple great days on the Yellowstone. Oh, my gosh. In the we had park. some great, and yeah. So, Streamer fishing was unbelievable. But, you know, we didn't have to think about that because we had talked about it before. Hey, if, if the gardener isn't as good, which, of course, it's going to be great. But if it's not, uh, we'll, we'll go fish the Yellowstone, and we did. It also means exploring, and I think trying yeah. out new streams. And that's why I like the idea of having an open slot at the end of a trip to go, you know, I've always wanted to fish Taylor Fork, or I've always wanted to fish Fan Creek. Mm-hmm. And it's always a commitment. Like, you're taking a chunk of your time to fish a stream that you have no idea whether or not you're going to catch anything. And you don't know the runs, you don't know. It, but it is always worth doing that. And there's something really wonderful about that. So. Yeah. You know, I think we've tried out the little Jordan in mm-hmm. the Driftless. Remember that? Uh, I think I think it was because the, the Canfield was kind of blown yeah, out. Yeah, it was. But not the little Jordan, nope. which was only about 10 miles away from that. So nope. I guess there's no use in being frustrated or anxious, you know, when things go awry. And they always do. Oh, yeah. Right? They sure do. So those are a couple of important points. Uh, pacing and then also uh, learning to be flexible. Uh, Right now, we're going to take a break, have a word from our sponsor, Dr. Squatch Men's Natural Outdoor Soap. Dave, as you know, I'm not a coffee drinker. I must have a mutant gene. You are a mutant. I know. uh, There's something strange about me. I mean, I've got a couple grandkids, little kids, who like coffee, and I I don't. I never grew up. I, I, I have a mutant gene. But my... Uh, pick-me-up in the morning is not a cup of coffee. It's a nice hot shower. And I really enjoy uh, showering now that I've, uh, even more, that I'm using uh, Dr. Squatch soap. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the soap before. It's fantastic. Yep. But I love the shampoo. The shampoo and conditioner, man, it is, feels great. It smells so uh, clean and fresh. And I have to confess that uh, I'm about to run out, and they, they've sent us free samples of soap. But I'm going to pay uh, my own money to get... Uh, another bottle of shampoo and then another bottle of conditioner. It's just worth it. I'm sorry that I have now this image of you taking a shower. <laughs> uh, I really didn't want that. But uh, <sighs> we will say this, that we do love Dr. Squatch. And hey, if you jump on the website, you can get 20% off by using the two guys promo, two guys, and just put that little uh, promo code in the in the box, in the field, and and fill up your cart with, with the product, and I think you'll be really, really happy with Dr. Squatch. You have to try it. Once you try it, you'll go, okay, this is the real deal, all natural, no harsh chemicals, and I think you'll really enjoy the soap. So go to drsquatch.com, put in the promo code, and enjoy your shower. And now back to our podcast. Dave, for starters, how often do we plan in advance? It's interesting. We're always talking about the next trip while we're on the trip that we're on. And it's usually towards the end of the trip as we think about, hey, next year, what would you think about? Yeah. Should we go in mm-hmm. October? Should we go in September? Hey, maybe next year we should do right. spring this yep. time. Mm-hmm. So through the years, we've done the spring trip in Montana in which we have uh, really caught some big spawners on the Madison. We've done trips like at late July, early August. So we've hit hopper season mm-hmm. and we've caught a lot of fish on hoppers. And then we've done more late October. It's actually mid-October when the browns start to move up river, which we did last year. This year we're yeah. going more towards mid-September. So 
and each trip has something specific in mind. Like this trip, we're trying to hit it where we can still fish streamers and still get to Yellowstone and fish the Yellowstone, but also maybe some some hoppers. Still, yeah, a little right? late hopper action. Some little maybe late hopper. Ag- yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we we begin planning really. Um, we start thinking about it almost at the yeah, end of that trip. But, we do. But we do start to nail dates down about six months in advance. Right. Yeah, we don't have a strict timetable. But, yeah, six months in advance, I mean, we have to know for our family's sake. And then there's there's booking flights and rental vehicles. What? Do we say we do that? About three months. Three months, yeah. yeah. By the way. Just to get decent prices. I think I forgot to get the truck. Oh, great, Dave. Thanks a lot. Joking. JK, uh, JK. <laughs> don't mess with me like that. Now we're golden, baby. Oh, man. Oh. We also do a lot of reading and research. I know you follow, especially if we're going out to Montana. Steve lived out there, so he's following everything, all the papers and the blogs. But we do start to actively jump on fly shop blogs yeah. um, and mm-hmm. do some reading and, and really start to understand, okay, what kind of year is it? Like last year in Montana, there's a large snowpack, so the rivers are a little bit fuller at this yeah. time of year. Colorado, when I fished this summer, they were really down. They didn't have as much snow. But understanding yeah. some of those things really will shape where you fly fish. Yeah, it's very true. So, Steve, what are some options for affordable lodging? And, and I mean, these trips are expensive, right? You have the the flight itself, that right. cost, then you mm-hmm. have the lodging, you have the food, and if you're also yep. doing a, a float trip. Now, one thing that we don't do is we don't do float trips. If we're fishing four days, we don't do four days of float no, trips, right? No. So we, we generally do only one day. I don't think we've ever done two floats in one trip, have Not we? unless we, we, we have a few friends out west that will take us, and right. sometimes that works. But yeah, as far as... I mean, we've never paid for more than one guided trip a year. Yeah, you know, we just are a, not. A year. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's an expense. Yeah, it's it a really luxury. Is. And honestly, I'd rather wade fish. I mean, I do like float yeah. trips. One float trip. But one yeah, float wade trip fishing is, is great. Yeah. I just love to wade fish. Yep. Well, you know, in terms of lodging, Dave, I, and obviously we have to admit we, we know a lot of people and in the Bozeman area, so we're often No, we don't have to admit friends. that. We only have to admit yeah, that yeah. Steve knows a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> Dave is a hangers-on. Hey, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's why I'm so deeply committed to our friendship. <laughs> That's right. See, you ought to say nice things about my fly fishing if, if you ever want to have a place to stay again. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes even when we're, we're there, if, if we're going to be uh, – you know, fishing the Gardner River in, in the northern part of, of Yellowstone National Park, we, we will stay in the little town of Gardner or or going to be, you know, in the, the the Baker's Hole area, the Madison, just outside of West Yellowstone. We might go down there and stay. But what we, we found, and no surprise here, but lodging is much more affordable in the tourist off-season. And that's why and the we fishing is really better. You know, it, it is. We kind of like that. So we like the spring and the fall because it's not as crowded and it's not as expensive. So keep that in mind. If uh, I mean, budget is an issue for us, and we've been able to to cut corners because we have people to stay with. But if you don't, and you're you're trying to keep the trip affordable, uh, think about fall especially. That's so nice, and and spring as well. And and you'll get. 
you'll get cheaper places. There will actually be rooms available. You know, I should say, too, we will sometimes book at the last minute, yeah, uh, literally on orbits in the car. We'll, we'll say, you know what? Uh, let's let's change our plan. Let's go up and stay overnight in West Yellowstone because we want to get an early start. We're just going to be too tired. We don't want to get up so early. And, and I remember once on the way there, just booking it on my smartphone and you know doing it on orbits, and you, you get a good price. Yeah, and so there's always the risk. Yeah. There's no rooms, but really, if you're in the off season, that's really not an issue. No, I, I did a couple years ago. I took a client to Colorado, and we booked an Airbnb in Salida. And I was surprised how we did it right at the last minute, mm-hmm. and yeah. and they had a room available. And and man, it, it was actually very reasonable. You know, my son and daughter-in-law did that. We were all in Montana together, and then they stayed an extra week. And my my daughter-in-law's folks uh, had joined them, and. And my son and daughter-in-law found a nice Airbnb right on the Gallatin River, south of Bozeman. It was very affordable, so that's a that's a great option. Here's something funny: I was in Colorado this summer, and I was out there for a client. I had to stay in the Cheyenne, Wyoming area, and I was on Airbnb, and there were people selling and promoting staying in a tent for like fifty bucks a night. So apparently yeah, they had a wow. tent in their backyard or a tent. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, oh, That's my. That's hilarious. <laughs> so you can get a tent, bring your sleeping bag, and you can man. pay 50 bucks instead of no you know, 150 bucks at a hotel. Ho- hopefully that includes uh, the, the restrooms. You get to use the I restrooms. So. And, uh, I think it was the outdoor restroom. Oh, man. What, what a deal. Well, Dave, you already talked. we already talked uh, about uh, booking a day with a guide, but... Uh, yeah, help help us think about that a little bit. If you're preparing a trip, why would you want to do that? Um, you know what what's well, we always do. We always book uh, at least one day. Well, it one day, not at least. We we typically yeah. book book one day. Yeah, and what that's... we've done through the years is we we have kind of our guides that we really like. Uh, we have one out of um, Gardner, Montana. One out of West Yellowstone. One out of Bozeman. A couple out of Bozeman. But you start to develop relationships with them. You really like, you know, what they teach you, just the tone, the character of these people, of these guys. They're just terrific people. So it is expensive, and we do love to wade fish. Yeah. So you know, I think doing the the, uh, the the guided float trip, it, it, it's a luxury. But frankly, it, it's really one of those pieces that, I one, I learn a lot, and two, I typically you typically catch fish on a guided trip. Yeah, now, there you are do. those days mm-hmm. when you don't. But I remember that one time with uh, with uh, was it Granger? Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, Granger? Bob Granger. Bob yeah. Granger. Mm-hmm. We fished the Yellowstone. It was my first float trip. I I don't think I caught a fish that day. I, I caught white fish, but I did not catch a trout. It was a slow day. Yeah, it was, it was a really vault, slow day. But generally on guided yeah. on guided trips, you generally catch. Yep catch fish so yeah. book I, I just don't think you want to book guided trips every day you gotta even no. if you don't know the area you can do enough research to get out on yeah. your own right and right. then the next you start to know where to go right and the fly shops are a great source of information especially if you, you know, if you buy some flies or or if you you need wading boots or something save your purchase until then and 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 they're they're helpful anyway but i think when you're a paying customer they're even more willing yeah. to uh uh, give you some good intel. Uh, something else when you're planning a trip is to build in some variety. Uh, we like variety. We, we like to fish big rivers and small streams. Uh, as Dave mentioned, we, we really love to wade as well as to float. 
And, and then you think even within categories of rivers or streams. Uh, take rivers, for example. We like uh, just the different feel of the Missouri versus the Madison versus the Yellowstone. Uh, they each have a different character. So even the Upper Madison versus the Lower yeah, Madison. Yeah, absolutely. Upper Madison and then the Bear Trap and then the Lower Madison. Yeah, three really uh, distinct uh, fisheries in a way. And then we always try to include something new, a, a new stretch of water. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's going back to the Madison, but a, a stretch of the Madison that we haven't uh, that we haven't floated or fished, and that wouldn't be much on the Madison. But uh, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of what we do with some of the rivers. Well, a couple of years ago, we did Willow Creek for the first time, yeah, which is uh -huh. a, really a yeah. tailwater that comes yeah, out really of Harrison is. Dam, right? Harrison Lake, Harrison yeah. Lake, mm -hmm. yeah, Harrison Lake, and. So we did that a couple of years ago. We fished. I fished Trailer Fork, which is a drainage. Yeah, um, Fan Creek was Fan new. Creek. Yeah, Gardner was you new and right. We did that. The, the Boulder River the Boulder, south of Big Timber. Yep. Yeah. So, so packing is also important in addition to variety, and I generally, Steve and I, pack a little bit differently. I different. I generally have two big bags. Unfortunately, United uh, Southwest doesn't fly into Bozeman. <laughs> from Chicago, but generally I take two big bags. One is for clothes, the other is for gear. You know, I always double, double checking. They have the big chunks, the rods, the waders, the wading boots, the reels, the two-way radios, the stuff that you don't want to have to buy if you forget it, right? The big chunky stuff. But I generally put I just really have two bags, but you do one, don't you? Yeah, I, what I do is I have a big Eddie Bauer suitcase and, and I can get all my fly fishing stuff in that and, and some of my clothes. And then I just take another carry-on that has kind of the rest of, of what I need. Do you take uh, your laptop? You often take your yeah, laptop. Yeah, so I, I have that. Well, how does it work? You, you have a, you have a carry-on, but you also have a personal item, which would be a purse or a laptop <laughs> bag or something. So I, keep, I just take my purse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, since I'm not as wealthy as you are, <laughs> laugh, laugh. Yeah, I, I can't afford two check bags. No, I think the deal is Dave does carry some of this extra gear, like two-way radios and stuff we're going to need, so I get away with uh, only one bag. It's kind of nice. I run operations, so i got to make sure we have right. everything that we need. But here's another helpful question, and, and Dave, I, I don't want to, I don't want to stir up any pain or anything like this. But what have you learned about carrying your rod tubes or, oh, or man, putting I, them in your check I bag? Just, you... I just completed grieving this, and we talk about this. And here, let me who... rip the bandaid off and open up the scar. <laughs> oh, so a couple years ago, I lost two of my best rods one was a sage and the other was a, a orvis um just for some reason i, I went on the plane and yeah. put them in the overhead and apparently i didn't take them out because i couldn't i've never found them and uh with all the you know searching online you know somebody found two really good rods let's just say that and i lost yeah. two rods but and if you're listening to this podcast and you found those rods uh, yeah it would be really generous of yeah, you to yes, that's right <laughs> to return them but but generally, I now put them in my in my bags, and I just it's so nice having those yeah. four piece and just dumping them in there. And you know that that does it does remind me, Dave. I I, I thought about this year. I thought, man, I, I've maybe I always put my rods in my you know in that big Eddie Bauer bag, and it, it's great. But I thought, well, what if it gets there late or, or you lose it? What happens? But you know, then I think. The routine of, of doing it the same way every time kind of ensures that I 
that I bring stuff, that I know where it is. I, I think if I were to say, ah, this trip, I'm just going to carry them on, I'd probably do, I'd do what you did. I mean, that, that's really easy yeah, to routine do. Routine is so, really important. Yeah. And, and a you, system. You can change it. But yeah, develop a system, have a routine. The only other thought I had was, but then all your other gear is still in that bag is is to have one of your, usually I take two rods along in case one breaks, but um, but to have, to take one of the rods and actually as a carry-on in case you do lose that. But yeah. at the end of the day, if I'm losing one or two of those bags, that that week is wrecked anyway. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's upside down. And we haven't had that happen. I no. think once maybe it, it gets there late. But, hey, we've thought about that. You know, if, if that happened, uh, we know people, and I'd be uh, – <laughs> I'd be on their doorstep sending mess text messages to Brand Robinson. Hey, we need to borrow your rods. Yeah. Yeah. Your nice and brand new uh, right. Orvis H3. That's it. And all the all the flies that you have. And uh, we'll be by in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but you can rent you can rent gear at, at fly shops. And I've thought of that. You know, if we're in a bind and we put all the, this yeah. money into a trip, you you figure out how to do it or or you go to a uh, maybe a kind of a big box store like Sportsman's Warehouse and, and you just buy cheaper rods and yeah. stuff. We've done that too. Yep. That's what I did when I, well, let's not go into that. Yeah, that's let's not even another start. painful story. That, that'll start probably there. do it. Hey, what we're saying really is great fly fishing trips are a combination of good planning and, and you have to be flexible as well. So, uh, hey, best uh, wishes to you as you plan for your next fly fishing trip. It's time for great stuff from our listeners, and here is a hilarious comment from Jim on our piece, Great Quotes from a River Runs Through It. This is what he writes. Throughout our marriage, my wife and I have often encountered others who, for various reasons, say they would love to fish with us. These predominantly are people who know nothing about fishing, love to drink, or both. <laughs> Hence, our favorite quote from a river runs through it is, Buster wants to fish. This is a code for spending a day with an idiot. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Thanks, Jim. Oh, hey, that's now, great. That's now, probably the best oh, quote from that movie. That is. Now, to be clear, we like to teach our friends and family members to fly fish. We, we love to teach newbies because we were newbies. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm still a newbie yeah, the way I, I fish. Too, man. But, yes, there are always a few who want to do it for the wrong reasons. And, and if you want to drink faster, if you don't want to hike two or three miles, hey, we're not your guys. Yeah, for sure. It, to me, fly fishing is not about partying. I know there's a whole subset of fly fishers. You know, it's all about, you know, beer and whiskey and tall tales and kind of the hard, road hard, put away wet type <laughs> stories. But yeah. I'm like, yeah, I just love to fly fish. Right? That's right. And I definitely like a good meal and a good drink afterwards. But at the end of the day, I, I really love to fly fish. So. That's right. Well, that's going to do it for today. What tips do you have for planning a great fly fishing trip? Please tell us by commenting on this podcast link at twoguysinariver.com. How do you prepare for a fly fishing trip? Thank you for referring our podcast to your TU chapter, Fly Fishing Club, your friends. If you are signed up for our email, be sure to forward that on to as many as you can. If you haven't signed up, you hit the website and the little widget pops up. Be sure to subscribe and we'd love to send you our weekly email alerts about all the different content that we have. We'd also love to hear your ideas for podcasts. We use a lot of them and just reach out to us on Instant Messenger, Instagram, or Twitter. One more thing. If you haven't yet purchased our book, 
the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short. Catch more fish. Be, please do so on Amazon. And thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Fly fishing.